we're in this series entitled Running with the Giants. And I really believe you're going to like this series. Really what this series is about, it's going to be about heroes of the faith. How do we relate to the heroes of the faith that have gone before us? And I think it's going to do a couple of things. I think it's going to encourage you. If you're going to walk out of here, you're going to say, man, I can relate to that. I, I, oh, I get it. And the second thing is, I think it's going to teach us our Bibles. Sometimes it's easy to hear a story but not really dive into the character itself and learn the lessons that that character is going to teach us. And so we're going to do eight weeks of this, and we've got great characters of the Bible. Next week, Pastor Salim is going to preach for us. Didn't he do a great job week for Easter? He's going to bring the heat, and we're just going to continue this series. It's going to be amazing. But I want to start off in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews 12, 1. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me there. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, therefore, now anytime you see the word therefore, you got to go back to the previous chapter. Like there's something that the, the writer is wanting to highlight out of that chapter, and really the previous thought in Hebrews chapter 11 are these are heroes of the faith. This is what many theologians call the hall of fame of faith. And we hear stories of how the greats changed the world, how the greats did things, and then through their obedience, God made a huge impact in the world around them, and they're called heroes of the faith. And I, I love to point this out. A hero, when you talk to a real hero, you, that, that person never really thought, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to become a hero. We romanticize like, they're a hero. You somebody, uh, Pastor Adam, I think, is a hero. He was special forces. And, and, you know, they do some courageous things, heard some great stories. But it's never like, I'm going to go be this. What it is is they do little acts of obedience, what I've got to do. And in being obedient, something heroic takes place. And I think for us, as we read these great heroes of the faith, what we can tend to do is say, well, that was... So and so, that was Moses, that was Isaiah, that was Esther, that was, these guys are great heroes of the faith. But the truth is, they were ordinary people that just obeyed God and God's supernatural power infused their life to make a difference. And that's what I'm looking at. God, I'm just an ordinary person. Would, would let us take acts of obedience. Let's just do simple things that your power would be on and that we could see the world touched and changed for God. And look, he says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, now these great heroes of the faith, the Bible says they're, they're, they're up in heaven, they're a cloud of witnesses, a crowd of witnesses, and they're cheering us on. They're like, hey, go, you got this. Come on, you can do it. Emilio, you got this, man. Emilio was preaching in Mexico over a thousand young people last week. They're just saying, come on, man, you got it. Speak the word of God. Change the lives of the people you're in front of. Wherever you're at, maybe you're going to work and you feel frustrated. Listen, the heroes of the faith, the Bible says they're up there. Doug, they're up there saying, come on, Doug, you can do it. You got it. They're cheering us on. Sometimes you feel like I'm alone and I'm isolated, but you're not. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And I love this. It says, and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for you. Each and every one of us, we got a race. That your life has purpose. That God has something that he wants you to do. And the giants of the faith, what they do is they encourage us throughout this entire journey. Now, the problem with the crowd, how many have ever been at a sporting event, a basketball game, or a football game? Anybody? Anybody raise your hand? Let me, let me get some crowd participation. Okay, Texans, I know y'all go there because you'd leave on Sunday mornings. Because y'all ain't here on Sunday. 
<laughs> Somebody said, what's the word? It's, it's when the Texans play. That's, that's when it's like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's pull out our phones and watch them. And so, so what we, <laughs> come on, I'm spitting everywhere. There's a crowd of people that are cheering us on, and, and Maxwell's really the place where we get this. What he had a brilliant idea, and he wrote a book called Running with the Giants, was this. What if we could take the crowd, which you can hear the crowd, but you can't hear the individuals? They're like, shh. Maxwell said, what if you pulled out the individual from the crowd and you just took one of these heroes and they came out of the crowd of the stands and as we were running our race, our lap of life, they jumped out with us and it's a brilliant thought. It's They just take a lap with us in our life. What would that character say? Like get him out of the crowd and bring him down to an individual and not to simplify or oversimplify, what would that one character say to us? And that's what the eight weeks are going to be about. And today we're going to talk about Isaiah. Everybody say Isaiah. Isaiah is the person that we're studying this morning. And really, Isaiah is one of the most famous prophets that we see. There are 66 chapters in his book. Um, and he was living around the 700 B.C. era. And what's interesting about Isaiah is that he actually saw the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. I quoted him last week at Easter. He's the one that said, I saw Jesus. His, his visage was marred more than that of any other man. 700 years before it actually happened. Because back then and even now today, prophets are seers. So they see things that nobody else sees. And then what God would do is he would show them things and then they go to the people and tell them what they see. And so I believe that Isaiah has some things that he can tell us, some things that he has seen that if we'll grab a hold of, we're going to be better for, that God will speak into our lives this morning. Now, the theme verse is Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, really pulling all of them out. I think this is what the Lord would start us off with this morning, that no matter what your life has looked like, some of you, maybe this is the second week you've been back in church, you came in Easter and God moved in your life and you're coming back today. Some of you, you've never been in church. You came today. Somehow you got here. Maybe you've been coming for a long time and you're living for God. No matter what your life looked like before this moment, whether you were turned to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way that God would speak to us clearly, that there would be a moment in your life where you could hear and understand God clear. And Isaiah helps us. He helps us to make sense of our lives. Really, this is what he tells us. An encounter with God changes everything. That I need you to hear him. I need you to see him. That if you can, it changes everything in your life. For me, man, an encounter with God changed everything. Now, I don't know about you, my story, and some of you have heard it, most of you. But man, I, I grew up in church and told a little bit about it. Last weekend and some of the times past, we grew up in church, man. I knew, I knew how to do church. Come on, it's like, yeah, come on, come in, put on my smile. And I had good seasons and I had bad seasons. And anybody know what I'm talking about? We're like, you're living for God, and then now you're not. And then you're living for God, and now you're not. And you're just kind of going back and forth, kind of this whole ice skating thing, like just back and forth with God. Phyllis and I got married in 2000, and she swept me off my feet. She was 21 and I was 22. We were young, in love, and dumb. And I, in the midst of that, Phyllis had just graduated from her nursing degree and was nursing. And we had started all these businesses. We started the restaurant. And 
in this season of my life, the restaurant was not doing well. We had started it. Phyllis and I's marriage was not going well. I, I, you know, I remember just thinking the first year is supposed to be great, and it was tough. You know why it was tough? Because I was a hot mess. I, I, I had found parts of Jesus, but I didn't find freedom. I had experienced a little bit of God, but never had an encounter with God. I knew how to dress up with the smile. I mean, everybody else, we look good. We had a restaurant. We're young and in love, and we put on the face and the mask, and it was good. But somewhere in the midst of all that, I felt hopeless. I felt distressed. I felt like, God, I don't know what to do. I can't put on this mask. And what we began to do was run from God, not to God. We started missing church. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're feeling like, man, my business isn't doing good. My marriage not doing Ain't nobody can relate. They look so perfect. And it wasn't long before... Phyllis and I started doing drugs and drinking, and it wasn't just a little bit. We went to the, it, it was, it got really ugly really fast. And it was a crazy time of our life, and we'd stayed up, and now you've got all these responsibilities so you could party, but you got to stay up, and we'd do these binges, stay up five days in a row, and it's crazy. I remember just feeling lost. Like, God, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I thought you were real, but if you were real, how come you, how could you leave me? I, I don't understand. And so what you do is you do what you can to numb the pain. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just, just let me just exist and make it. And I'll never forget, I was in the bathroom. It was February 7, 2003, 14 years ago. Standing in the bathroom, walking out of the bathroom, and the presence of God filled that bathroom. I wasn't looking for God. Wasn't searching for God. I was running from God, but I had a mama that was praying. She wasn't play praying. She was on her knees. And I didn't find out until later. She said, God spoke to me. I had to pray. And she prayed God's presence into my life. I remember coming out of the bathroom and, you know, I, you, you, you're messed up. And I told Phyllis, I said, I said, hey, God's in this place. She's like, ha, ha. like you messed up. You know, everybody finds God a little bit when you messed up. You start pontificating. Get all the, mm. And I'll never forget, she's like, kind of, and I said, no. She must have seen it in my eyes. I'm like, I'm telling you, God is in this place. I'll never forget running everybody out. They were mad and upset. I said, I don't care what you, I'm telling you, God is in this place. His presence was there. What happened was I now had a choice as to whether or not I would respond to his presence. And her and I, from 12.30 at night till 5.30 in the morning, had an encounter with God that changed everything. From that moment on, I never went back. There was never back the world, back to God. It was like from then on, my life was forever marked and forever changed. And Isaiah would speak the same thing. Now listen, I'm not saying you got to have that moment, but for me at the church, that's why it is all about you encountering Jesus. That's why with the worship, I don't want them to sing another song. I want them to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because if we can worship him, his presence is in this place. I don't care how pretty you say. I, I want you to make it like, God, we are desperate for you. Why? Because you bring your friends. And this is the key. You don't need another good, feel-good message. You don't need another perfect song. What you're praying for, what I'm praying for, as I invite the waiters from the restaurants, as I invite different people, it's like, God, would you just let them have an encounter with you? Why? Because that encounter will change their life. 
And that's what Isaiah would say is that it changes everything. That, that that is the moment that God begins to really, at that moment, put us in a different path. Look at Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now, it's important for you to know that King Uzziah was very close to Isaiah. He had put all of his hopes and his dreams in King Uzziah because up until this moment, King Uzziah was the most righteous king they had had. And so Isaiah is like, praise God, we're moving as a nation back to God. And then we see King Uzziah do some things that were not right. He sinned, God smote him with leprosy, and he dies. And so King Uzziah is like, God, what happened? Like, I thought this was the answer to bring your people back. He's in this moment of pain, but in that moment of pain, he says, I saw the Lord. And this is what he would say, our greatest pain can be a catalyst for our greatest gain. That in the moments where we have pain and our hearts are hurting, we've got to know that that can be a moment where God can flip the script. That, yeah, now you're desperate enough. Have you ever been in a place where you're desperate? You're like, God, I'll do anything. Why? Because you've been in a painful place that you can no longer stay at. And it says, God, I'll do anything to flip the script. And he reserves the right, I believe, many times to speak to us the clearest, clearest when we're hurting the most. Because our natural tendency is this, when you're hurting, it's just like whenever I was hurting with the restaurant and my marriage and all of a sudden, you know, I didn't run to God, I ran from God. The enemy lied to me and said, you got to be perfect. And some of you, I'm listening right now, I hear you say, well, I'm not perfect. Yeah, that's okay. You saying, I don't have it all together. That's okay. You say, well, I'm not all cleaned up and I got a lot of junk. Well, welcome to the church. We all got a lot of junk. But I'll tell you that if you open up your eyes, God will begin to speak to you the clearest while you're in the middle of that pain. I just remembered feeling so hopeless. And I said, now, in that moment when God responded, I just responded back to God. Look at what Isaiah says. He said, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim. These are angels. It says, they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds, and what this really represents is the foundation of his life. It felt like it was falling apart. It was being shaken. It shook and the temple was filled with smoke. You got to know that in your darkest time, you run to God. God wants to work in the deepest parts of our soul. He didn't want it to just be surface. He wants to get every part of our soul that is full of pain and hurt and rejection. And God wants to work with us there. He goes on in verse 5. He says, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. So here's the amazing thing, that in the presence of God, we begin to see ourselves more clearly. That it's in his presence. See, it started off, the pain came from the external. He was, he was upset about King Uzziah. But now what happens is God begins to say, okay, on me, on the deepest part of my soul, I am unclean. My lips are unclean. And I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty. He saw himself clearly. I, I remember for me, and this really impacts the way we do church, nobody had to tell me I was a sinner. Can I just let you know? No, I knew I was sinning. Nobody had to tell me all the bad things that I was doing. You know what I needed? I needed God's love. 
And I get it, man. There's moments where we declare God's goodness, but I have seen it so many times. Someone said, well, do I have to be perfect? No, no. All I got to do is connect you to the love of God because when we're in his presence, he reveals what he wants to work on in our life. What we can handle at the moment, he reveals it. And we begin to see ourselves so clearly. And I remember just feeling, God, I just need your love. I need your forgiveness. I'm asking you to cleanse me. And see, you think God wants to talk about your past. God just wants to settle your past. He just wants to settle it. He forgives us. The sins moved as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't remember it anymore. Now, there may be some things you got to go back and say, I'm sorry for. There may be some things you got to restore. you got to transform your mind and renew it and allow your soul to walk through the process of healing. But as far as God is concerned, it's gone. And he goes on, he says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar. And really, the altar is a place where blood is shed, where your sins are paid for. For us, the altar was the cross of Christ. He goes on, he says, with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. It's already paid for. God changes us. God has paid the price. It's already settled. And many of you, you've got to know that. Don't keep going back and hashing it back up. God's done. It's done. But here's the question. Why is God changing us, right? Isaiah, why, why would God change us? Why, what, what is the purpose? You know, I know it's to, to, to be more like him, and I know he wants to heal my heart, but is there a purpose? Look at what Isaiah says. He says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? I love God. God invites us. He doesn't make us. God invites us into the journey. God invites us to follow him. He doesn't make us follow him. And then he goes on. He says, whom shall I send? And and I could just see God just kind of like, it's on the inside of you. Listen, it's on the inside of you. The fact that you want to make a difference is on the inside of you. That's how come the world has capitalized on it. Because, you know, we'll go do Habitat for Humanity. It's awesome, great, praise God. I would say this, works without bringing them Jesus don't produce a whole lot of life transformation in eternity. So you got to say, I I, want to do good things, but I want to do good things that lead people to Jesus so that in eternity their soul is secure. And on the inside of you, there's this desire that says, hey, man, I, I, I want to be a part of something. And, and I just feel like God's saying, hey, who, who am I going to send? Who's going to go for us? And look, and Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Oh, Jesus, send me. I, I want to go. See, God touches your life. God didn't have to force me into full-time ministry. I never thought I'd be a pastor, so I think that's kind of hilarious. It's pretty funny. Because I remember back then, remember I told you my mission statement. God was like, you'll be a general spiritual revolution. I'm like, I'm just an entrepreneur. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know that I'm gifted to pastor and do all. No, no. All we got to do is say, yes, Lord, send me. Send me. I don't feel qualified. That's all right. Send me. God qualifies those who are available. God says, all right, you're available. Come on, I'm going to qualify you. I'm going to build you up. I'm going to give you what you need. That is, jo- is God's job. Our job is just to say, here am I. Send me, God. Send me. And on the inside, I believe every one of you, you've got that desire. God, I want to be a part of something that makes a difference. And if we were to summarize Isaiah's words really out of chapter 6, I believe he'd say three things to us, and I want you to grab a hold of them. The first one is this. God wants to reveal more of himself to you. I just want to be real careful. Like 
I don't want you to say, well, I didn't have that bathroom experience you did, Pastor. Did God reveal? No, it's just different levels. It's different ways. Different. That's, I, that's what I believe I needed for me. And so it's like, God, would you reveal more of yourself to me? And, and here's what we've got to know, whether you're a skeptic, an unbeliever, atheist, Buddhist, Hindu in here, it doesn't matter. I'm asking God to reveal more of himself to you. You know, someone said, well, wait, wait, they're not a believer. You ain't got to believe to belong, baby. You come on to church, and let's just keep saying, hey, God, reveal yourself to me. It's like Salim said, God, if you're real. And then just happened to pick Christianity at first. And then that's what we're saying, God, just reveal yourself to me. And here's the problem. We get in church. We get a little cleaned up. We're, we got things going. We're, Woo, I'm looking better. I'm feeling better. You're better than most. And we can become complacent and we say, hey, God, reveal yourself just a little, though. Just a little. Don't mess up my comfort zone right here. Right? And so what I, I don't know about you, but I, I've been praying and fasting, God, God, don't let me be complacent. I know the church is growing, God. I know people are being touched. And, you know, it's easy for us to say, look at what God's done. But the reality is, God, I need more of you. God, I need more of you, not what you can do, not the blessings of my life, but God, I'm desperate for you. And there has to be this hunger on the inside of us that says, God, reveal more of yourself to me because that's what will change my life. And look at what he says. He says, seek the Lord. I mean, he says, skeptics, seek the Lord. Non-believers, seek the Lord. Dream teamers, listen to me. I'm asking you to pray like you had never prayed before. I believe there's a harvest that's coming, that God is raising us up, that we ain't seen nothing yet. Nothing. But it ain't going to happen if we're not Saturday morning prayer. We meet at the Leadership Academy, right? It's about 20 to 30. What would happen if 100 of us every Saturday morning got to that campus at 8 a.m. and got on our knees and our hands and we said, God, we're desperate for you. God, would you move heaven right now? There would be a manifestation of that on Sundays. So don't be complacent. Maybe you're a new Christian. Just, God, I need more of you. God, I'm going to seek for you. God, I need you. It says, while he may be found, call on him while he is near. So we got to go after God. And I love Jeremiah, how he says it. it. says, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your hearts. Not a, not a little, just all. So someone said, well, I hadn't, I hadn't got that. Well, the, the question is, have you been seeking after him with all of your heart? And I would say like this, it's time to go all in, church. It's time to go all in, church. We don't want to play church. We don't want to say, God, I'm half in, half out. No, it's time to go all in. And this is the reality. I think for some of you, it scares you. The thought of going all in with God means, well, maybe God is going to send me to Africa to live in a hut. Right, right? Maybe God's going to ask me to quit my job. Maybe, maybe God's going to call me to the children's ministry. <laughs> You're like, I play with them rats all day. No, no. But what you don't understand, not everybody's called to the children's ministry. I believe a lot of you are. Let me just tell you, I do. Come on, Pastor Phyllis. I thought I'd get a better. I'm giving me some brownie points. <laughs> Preaching for brownie points. But, but, but here's the thing. You're afraid of where it will take you. But the reality is that's the place where God will give you the greatest joy and fulfillment. So what's stopping you is the fear of, well, maybe it's the fear of what I've seen in the past. Like, I'm going to go serve, and they're going to lock me there for the rest of my life. Or I'm going to do it, and nobody's going to listen to me. My kids don't listen to me. Ain't nobody else's kids going to listen to me. 
And what you're doing is you're missing that opportunity for God to use you to be the catalyst of change where those kids can encounter the same God you've encountered. You got to go all in. God, I'm not going to be this. I'm going to go all in with God. I think that's what Isaiah would say. Second thing is God wants to change you. Listen to me. He loves you just the way you are, but he doesn't want you to stay that way. He loved me right where I was, right in the middle of my mess, right in the middle of all the craziness. And the... But he doesn't want you to stay. What a tragedy for us to come each and every Sunday and be no better for it 20 years later. That God, I need you every day more. God, change me. I don't want to stay the same. Look at what Isaiah says. He says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat from the best of the land. God, I'm willing, change me from glory to glory. And that's what I love. Just right where you're at, just glory to glory to glory. And really, it's about baby steps. God, I just, I just need the next thing. God, where do you want me to go? I don't want to be like I was, so God, give me the next step in my life. And First Peter actually talks about this. It says, like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual milk so that you will grow. Everybody say grow into a full experience of salvation. So I'm going to grow. God, I crave change. God, I crave what you're going to do. Look, he says, cry out for this nourishment. Now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness, cry out. Like we ought to be saying, God, change me. I'm crying out. God, See, when a baby is born, it's not like a baby's born. Steve and Steph are about to have their third child or another girl in the Kyle's family. That's how we do it. And so that, that little baby girl's not going to be born one day and a 21-year-old the next. And sometimes I think we believe the lie, like i got to go from here to there and it has to happen instantly. No, no. It's day by day, minute by minute, moment by moment. God, let me keep moving forward. So I like to say like this, we got to take our next steps. And that's where we built the whole process of this church. I believe if you have a value, there ought to be a process. And for us, listen, you may have come last weekend... And for you, you gave your life to Jesus Christ for the first time. What, what should you do? What should you, as a moving forward Christian, a baby Christian, say, hey, my next step is I'm going to get water baptized. And that happens immediately following this service. Your next step is, man, I'm going public. It's the wedding ring of Christianity. It's God, okay, you did something inside of me, but I want you to know your faith is not a personal, private expression. I believe that's a lie from the pit of hell. It is time to go public. So you say, Mama, I'm going public, baby. And we're going to go out there and we're going to celebrate with you. Some of you, you've been coming to the church and you called me pastor. You feel like I'm your pastor. I want to be your pastor. But you've never joined the church. You know what your next step is? Next steps to join the church. Yeah, you're like, I'm going to join the church. Some of you have been coming. You might have gone through all next steps, but you hadn't started serving. Your next step is, listen, I'm going to get on the dream team, and I'm going to start using the thing God placed on the inside of me of making a difference in the lives of people. And so what we do here this morning is we listen to Isaiah, and we say, okay, I am going to take the next step in my journey. And then here's the last thing I think Isaiah would say. God has an assignment for you. God has an assignment for you. See, God wants to touch you. He wants you to move forward in your spiritual journey. But really, ultimately, you are a part of his plan to reach the world. Band, you guys can come out. There is no plan B. Just keep looking at me. They're going to come out. 
Nothing new. And yet every week I'm like, okay. There's no plan B. God wants to use you. Listen, I, see, here's the tendency to can I just share my heart. You can come to a church like this, come week after week, and you can look at everything and you can say, man, they are doing a really great job. Jesse, they're doing a great job. Brandon, you're doing a great job. Celine, you're doing a great job, baby. Pastor Steve, you're doing a great job. And so here's the tendency, well, they don't really need me. Like, I, like I, I'm okay. Some of it is like you don't feel like you've got anything to offer. I want you to notice we're doing okay, mm, pretty good. We'd do a whole lot better if you were here with us. Whole lot better. Whole lot better. That God, you would use us and just stir it up on the inside. Look at how Isaiah says it. He says, arise, shine. So I would tell you this, church, arise and shine. That there's hope on the inside of you. See, the tragedy, don't let us get to heaven. Had the hope for the world inside, but never shared it. So Isaiah would say, listen, church, rise up. Come on, rise up. I'm not good enough. No, no, no. It ain't about you. It's about the God on the inside of you. Church, rise up. The church in Rosenberg. Can we rise up? Rise up on the inside. It says, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. I think that's why some, I'm not, so I think that's why some of you are miserable. You know there's something, but you hadn't given it, and you're just like, God, I want God reveals more of himself as we step out. Even launching this church, every step of the way, God has been faithful. I was talking to some dear friends of mine and been on this journey the whole time, hadn't gone to this church on staff at another church. And he said, you know, Jim, one of the things, and Amelia was talking, he said, one of the things that I've always loved is that I came to the church when you were in the movie theater. And I celebrated your big day. And it was a couple of weeks later, he said, y'all needed $10,000 for a trailer. And I remember when $10,000 was like, whoo. Like we barely got this thing off the ground with nickels and noses. Like, and it was this huge, huge mountain. But God brought it in. Cash. We bought a trailer. Cash. Pay cash. I remember we moved into this place and we'd outgrown the movie theater. All the seats were taken. We needed $100,000. It was $73,500. Because I'll never forget when I looked on the screen and I thought, I'm either going to be an idiot or God, you're going to come through for us. And I never forget pointing to the screen. Remember, if you were there, I showed you pictures. I'm like, this is the auditorium. This is this. This is what it can look like. But we're believers, $73,500. And the whole time, you didn't know on the inside. I'm like, God, help us. Help us. Phyllis, and I come home. I'm like, this may be too big for God. Ten weeks, $100,000 came in cash for us to buy the equipment for this place. Same thing with the campus. Here's my point. Some of you think, well, I, I'm not there. Like, I, I, I'm not that giant of faith that you are, Pastor. No, no. It, all it is is one obedient step after another. Well, how am I going to pay my bills? That's not your job. That's God's job. You think your job is your source. God's your job. Our job is, I should, God, put me in your will. You got to take care of the rest. I like to say the rest is minutiae. But my wife and everybody, they don't like that because, God, you got to work out the details. 
Like, I'm just going to go one step at a time, just one moment at a time, and God, you, you work it out in my life. And that's where I believe some of you are today. It's just, God, help me take my next step. Help me grab a hold of your assignment for my life and let me live it out. Because why? This is what he says. Darkness covers the earth and a thick darkness is over the people, but the Lord rises upon you. Say me. He rises on you. So if we're absent, church, who's he going to rise on? See, think about this. The world is dark. We, we say, well, it's so dark. It's, no, no, but this is our finest hour. I believe we're coming to the day where you're going to see miracles like we've never seen. I'm telling you, this is our finest hour. But we got to rise up, church. We gotta rise up. We gotta say, hey, listen, I'm gonna lay hands on the blind eyes. Listen, someone said, well, nobody's blind eyes opened up. My question is, when's the last time you laid your hands on someone's blind eyes? When's the last time we walked in the hospital and said, oh, greater, our God is greater than sickness. He's greater than cancer. He's, I believe those days are coming back on us, but we gotta rise up, church. Gotta rise up. And look, Ephesians says it like this. Give me to the last one. For we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. Whether you feel like it or not, you're his masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that you can do good things. And this is what I'd say you can do. The question is, will we do it? It's kind of like Isaiah, me, God, me, God, pick me, God, God, I'll do it. So Isaiah's life, he speaks to us. Let us rise up, church. Let's reach this city. Let us, let's just go out and say, God, we're going to be the salt light. We're going to do what it takes. We're going to let people experience the hope that we have experienced. Just bow your heads. Father, I thank you for what you're doing this morning in our lives. I thank you for helping us to discover our purpose and who you've created us to be. God, that as a church, you're calling us to rise up. I, I hear the words of Isaiah, rise up, rise up. And God, I thank you that our finest hour is ahead. That God, you are a God of miracles. And Lord, would you move in our hearts, move in our lives, move inside of us. Lord, some people, they just need that encounter with you. God, I'm asking you to reveal yourself and show them your love and your forgiveness. And God, move in the hearts of your people. Lord, we thank you for what you've done and what you continue to do. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. Listen, in this moment, I believe there's some of you, you don't have a relationship with God. And really, it all starts with a relationship with God. Not doing good things, not doing religious things, not going to church. It's having an encounter with God. It's, God, I know you. God, I choose to follow you. We call it a salvation moment. I believe for some of you right now, this is your day of salvation. What does that mean? God's presence is here, so you simply respond. And you know, this is where I struggle. Look at me real quick. This is kind of where I struggle with the pastor part. 
Like it ain't about necessarily your words. I remember that moment for me. It was a desperate call from my heart. That God, I need you. God, my life hasn't worked. And you know, we do this each and every weekend, but I want you to know there's, there's, a, there's kind of this burden on the inside too. I don't want you to think it's just repeating a prayer. I repeated the prayer. I'm good. We did the religious thing. No, no. And you know, I mean, you know, I, I, I've seen, that's why I don't even care about the connection cards per se. I, I do because we want to follow up. But really, you know when someone had an encounter with Jesus. Because it's like, they, I don't know what just happened, but right now my life shifted. I came alive. And the Bible says that we go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of life. Yeah, you were living and breathing out here, but on the inside. Have you ever said this? I'm dead. On, I'm dying on the inside. That's that desperation. God, I need you. God, I, I can't do it on my own. And I love what the Bible says, that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus, your Lord, and believe in our heart, that's the belief that God, you raised him from the dead and this is the beauty of salvation. The Bible says, you will be saved. It's not of works so that nobody can boast. It's all about him. Now bow your head and close your eyes. Some of you, you're in that place. And if that's you, listen, would you just, I wanna pray with you. I wanna lead you in a prayer. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up, come down, but I just wanna lead you in that moment, is that you? Would you just raise your hand? Heads are bowed, eyes closed. Just, just you and me. Raise your hand. Say, that's me, Pastor. Right now. Come on, lift it up high. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Man. Church, I want you to show them some love. Tell them how proud you are. There's a church. We love you. It's a defining moment for you. Bow your head. Close your eyes. Say this, Jesus. I need you. Right now, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I'm asking you, be the Lord of my life. I believe that in this moment, you save me, change me, transform me. I receive your grace unto salvation right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen.